Welcome to Acquire, Tearsheets Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Cohen, head of Tearsheets Studios. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Kirthi Nike, head of marketing and communication at BNY Mellon Wealth Management. BNY Mellon is one of the oldest FIs in the world, which makes Kirthi's job leading their brand a serious undertaking. It requires a lot of creative thinking, doing, and vision to pivot the direction of a 230-year-old legacy. She's here to talk to me today about BNY Mellon's recent campaign, Do Well Better. Kirthi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. So the BNY and BNY Mellon Wealth Management stands for Bank of New York which was founded by the first Secretary of the Treasury and our founding father, Alexander Hamilton, in 1784. Here we are in 2022, Gerthy. Tell me about leading marketing for one of the oldest financial institutions in the world. Well, um, I actually uh, have arrived at BNY Mellon about 24 months ago, 22 months ago. Um, I have about 20-something years in financial services experience as a marketer. So when I arrived at BNY Mellon Wealth Management, you know, really joining a 230-plus-year-old wealth management firm, it was really interesting to come into this historical company, right, and brand. And there was a lot of legacy marketers in place. There was a certain way we went to business and market, primarily supporting the sales organization, right? Um, we have our own team of wealth managers. We have our own team of client-facing teams. And it was really important and critical that marketing play the role of enhancing and supporting the client experience. So when I arrived during COVID, which was an interesting time to to join the company, uh, you know, you couldn't have those client-facing experiences, right? You couldn't have events, you couldn't have dinners, you couldn't do those things that were really, really tangible. Yeah, COVID challenged everybody, right? But but something about that 230-year wait to the legacy makes the shift to digital seem just like a really big deal. So what did that undertaking actually look like? So I really stepped into a, a team that needed to uh, reassess the talent. We needed to figure out what do we need to do now uh, to create immediate impact and support the business as we have to shift during these pandemic times. But then what do we need to do in the long term so that we knew that as optimists, this couldn't last forever. And so I had to really create an organization that had all of the right functions and people and talent in place that will continue to support this new wave of supporting the business. How do we go digital? How do we storytell without um, human interaction? How do we you know, create value um, from a revenue stream standpoint? But then what do we do when, we, when the pandemic is gone? And so I really did do a 180 shift and completely, as I call it, I had to pivot the organization, I had to rebuild it, and I had to set us up for growth. Amazing. So, so you did that via campaigns, right? Which is uh, what we're here to talk about. In late January, BNY Mellon launched Do Well Better, uh, it's a campaign with short films and commercial spots featuring the stories of some of your most philanthropic clients, some really interesting folks and stories, and how they're using their wealth for social impact. And for this project, you collaborated with Nadav Kander, who's a world-renowned photographer, and filmmaker and director Nadia Halgren, who both have worked with pretty philanthropic, influential people themselves, right? First Lady Michelle Obama, American presidents, the royal family, so... Tell me about the choice of working with these specific folks and what is it that each of them brought to the table? Well, it was what was really critical was that we didn't have another talking head 
kind of video series, right, Rebecca? It was it was essential that we really opened up the kimono. We really were transparent. We were honest and earnest in the stories that we were going to tell. And we didn't want to tell our clients what to say. And so part of the brief that we developed for our agency partner, we worked with our agency of record Havas on this. Um, and it was an arduous creative process. This did not come to fruition overnight. Uh, we went through maybe 10 different concepts. And I kept saying, I want to tell their stories in a way that's unscripted, that is authentic, that is real, and almost like a documentary. And so that's how we landed on Nadav. Um, after really assessing many different other creative options, Nadav really brought to the table this element of purity, transparency, authentic storytelling. Um, so Nadav was, yes, this very acclaimed male photographer, but we really wanted to make sure that we had the balance of storytelling through the lens of a female director and producer. And that's how we really landed on Nadia. Um, Nadia was essential, right? Um, her having done um, interesting documentaries like the um, Michelle Obama one, where she really kind of went behind the scenes. That's great. So, so, so like you said, this is the first unscripted campaign for BNY Mellon Wealth Management. How did that creative decision get made and why now? In the financial services industry, and you probably know this at being a tier sheet, there's a lot of scripted things out there. Um, very, very much, uh, you know, uh, I would say positioned into certain frames. There's a lot of casting. There's, there's a lot of fluff out there. And in, in tandem, there's also this element of trust, right? As, as we're, you know, the trust factor is never going to go away for financial services, right? We've had clients with us, legacy clients for hundreds of years. And then we've got, you know, clients in the recent 30, 40, 20, 10 years that have joined us, been committed to us. We, they've been with us from before they were super wealthy, when they were just starting out. And, you know, there's this perception that the wealthy are capitalists. And it was really critical for me as the head of marketing and also as a brand storyteller for the last 20 something years. It's been really important for me personally that we portray the stories of our brand um, in a way that's that's never going to be told um, by anyone else. And and that was a directive. These must not be scripted. These must be an interview that captures all of the right moments so that we really are um, truthful in our storytelling. So as your first unscripted campaign, you're, you're definitely charting new territory as a brand, and especially, like you said, in the financial services space. What are some of the unexpected things that have come up for you during the strategy or the execution or even today after the fact? Well, you know, Nadav only likes to photograph an individual, a single isolated individual. And so something that did arise is that um, with specifically with Heidi Murkoff, uh, who is the author of What to Expect When You're Expecting and really leads this amazing um, nonprofit organization, what to, uh, the What to Expect Project. And it's not just her, right, who's our client. And and really her and Eric are a amazing dynamic duo. So for instance, we had to find a way to have two people in Nadav's portrait, which was unlike his typical work where he uh, you know, usually has only one individual portrayed. Uh, so that was one interesting challenge. Um, the other was also, frankly, 
we were doing this during the pandemic. Um, you know, the entire creative process was developed and fine tuned and the conversations were all being had in a virtual format, Rebecca, that's not normal. Like, you know, when you're usually creating films and all the commercials that I've created also in my former brands, you meet in person, right? You brainstorm, you look at storyboards, you, you figure out colors and sequences. This is all done remotely and the clients were completely, um, uh, what's sort cooperative. And they were excited and delighted and got on virtual conversations over and over again. And then we all had to actually take um, PCR and COVID tests to even be on site for the filming for the two days that we did this um, eventually, which, which was also a challenge um, during those days. Yeah, I'm sure. All of us in companies, large and small, you know, had to reimagine what it means to go to work and how we managed to make magical things happen in this completely new circumstance. So it's a really interesting process there, and I'm glad that they went along with it. Um, I want to talk about those choices of clients. Uh, you've narrowed it down to, to three clients, three accounts uh, that you would feature. How did you make that decision? What is, it about, what is it about those people that made you feel comfortable and proud to have them as the presenters of BNY Mellon? That's a great question. Um, look, we wanted to work hand in hand with our wealth managers and the client-facing teams. It's really critical, right? Ultimately, Telling these stories will also portray the value they bring to clients. So we really started this process working hand in hand with the client facing teams. And we had a couple of filters um, that we put in place. Number one, we want to ensure that we had diverse stories to be told. Number two, we wanted to be able to share stories of people not that you know, just join BNY Mellon with $100 million in wealth. But these are people who are self-made. It was really important that we share this opportunity to really build the right wealth strategy and grow. And so that was another filter that we wanted to apply. And the third other filter um, was really about who wants to get their story out there, who has a charitable um, organization, who's who loves to give back, right? Because the do well better isn't just about yourself. It's about doing well better for others as well, right? And how you don't just accumulate wealth to for the selfishness of it, but it's because you have certain aspirations and desires and needs. And often these stories aren't told, right? About the wealthy. It's, it's mostly about they bought a new a yacht or they put their name on a building. We really had um, about 20 people that um, are in our lineup right now. Um, and we narrowed it down to these first three at the moment. And this will only be the first of many videos that we're looking to continue to launch year over year. Oh, nice. I'm excited to, to hear and watch the, the rest of the stories. Um, so Kurti, this, this campaign, would you, would you call this like a rebrand or a brand awareness campaign? I would, I would call this a brand awareness and engagement um, initiative. Uh, we really, this is, this is actually stemming off of a, a very large uh, thought leadership platform that we launched in the summer of 2020 when I joined, which is called Active Wealth. 
Uh, it is a unique proprietary platform uh, that we really put out there for folks to, frankly, ask the right questions of themselves. Do they have all the right areas covered when it comes to building their wealth strategy, growing it, and then sustaining it? And what was missing for me um, from when we launched that was it was rich in content. It was rich in thought leadership, Rebecca. It was the typical, I would say, bank campaign right? Lots of words. And so when I came in, I was like, we've got to put some feeling in here. We are, what we do every day, what we do is so emotional. Money is emotional. Legacy is emotional. You know, uh, philanthropy is emotional. These are, these are really touchy-feely human things. And we're not, it's not evocative in what we're doing. So we really decided to take active wealth which is the foundation for do well better. And it really is, if you use active wealth, you can do well better. So it is, it's an extension of an existing platform that we launched a year and a half ago. That's so true. Money is very emotional. I, I, I say this every day. It's, it seems like this, this disconnected thing from human nature and almost immoral to center our human experience around it. And yet we do because it just is unavoidably attached to a lot of insecurities and securities that we feel in our life. So I'm really excited that you're telling these stories um, of the ultra high net worth individuals specifically. Um, and I'm excited for the rest, like I said. Uh, I wonder, since you've joined this company uh, with the Active Wealth and, and the Accelerator, and now do well better. How do you see this new, this pivot, this new vision changing the course of the company's brand and marketing strategy into the future? That's a wonderful question. Uh, I think we as an organization have never done anything like this. If you look across all of BNY Mellon, uh, very transactional, very data oriented, very content oriented. This is definitely uh, introduced uh, a emotional side to an otherwise uh, very transactional institutional brand. In fact, my colleagues across the other divisions uh, that run marketing for the other more, I would say, B2B areas are like, we want a story tell like this. It's really, it's so interesting how you've captured clients like this. Like we didn't even think that was something that could be done. They've asked me, how do you do it? And I was like, apply a Pixar storytelling methodology, Right. You have a problem that you want to solve. You then need to find the solution to get there and the journey and how you get there really organically then would portray BNY Mellon as the solution. And it's not about hard sell, hard push. People are more sophisticated today, right, Rebecca? Like we all read and consume a lot of media around us. So uh, frankly, I don't like products pushed at me or brands pushed at me. But if you share like an interesting story with me, that might open my aperture a little bit more to want to consume uh, in additional information about that company. Absolutely. Stories are the currency of, of culture and in, in our human interactions, right? So we've touched on this a couple of times, but I, I just want you to kind of um, sharpen this point. What exactly is the social message in this campaign? What, what are the call to actions? What is the new thesis that is being put forward? So first and foremost, everything we're promoting and do well better is to get to know these three interesting folks a lot better through the video content. But then what we're also doing is we're secondarily, we're actually promoting their different charitable efforts and allowing people if they would like to do so, they can go and engage and donate, support, 
do whatever they want with each of the organizations. And the number three, uh, I think it should force them to ask, well, how did they do it? And so we actually are also engaging them in what we call the Active Wealth Accelerator. It's a uh, very fun uh, digital interactive uh, tool that we launched just six months ago and allows people to quickly fill out a simple quiz on the different areas and aspects of active wealth. And at the end, they get a score of how strong their wealth strategy is. And hopefully they'll contact us. Oh, cool. So how is that going? Have you, uh, what's been the experience um, with getting traction and potentially, you know, new clients reaching out to inquire? So right now we're seeing a lot of great traction in just four weeks. We've got more than 20,000 ultra high net worth visitors coming to the site, engaging with the video content. There's more than 500 views of the the actual videos. These are two minute long videos, right? When they get to our website. So we're only putting small snippets out there, getting them to see the longer story on our portal. And then we've got actual um, potential uh, new client leads coming in. So it's really exciting. It's it's about that full funnel, right, um, Rebecca? So ultimately we want to use this as a precipitous for for new potential ultra high net worth clients to come to us. That's right. I mean, that's the business agenda (laughs) at the end of the day. Kirthi, since you started with campaign, uh, what, what sort of new benchmarks have you collected in the process for yourself um, and for your team as head of marketing and communications? We had very, very benign KPIs, I will say, before I joined. It was primarily driven by, oh, website visits. Okay. And then it was how many people downloaded content. Uh, today, we actually look at um, opportunities that we're bringing into the pipeline to potential revenue generated from direct marketing touches, as well as how we're expanding existing client portfolios. So they're taking advantage of all that BNY Wealth has to offer them. And so we've really went from, I would say, a one-on-one KPI approach from when I joined to a uh, you know graduate program <laughs> kind of dashboard, uh, Rebecca, where there's just there's probably a solid 10 different KPIs that we are now driving and uh, marketing is considered, not technically, but almost considered a real uh, PNL and business driver. Now, of course, we don't close the deal, right? Um, marketing's job in wealth is to educate, is to engage, it's to draw the right people to the brand. Uh, we'll bring them to the stadium, but ultimately it is the client facing team and the wealth manager who has to do the song and dance to close the deal. So that's why I'm very specific on our KPIs are really about, you know, the opportunities that we drive, whether it's asset pipeline or it's related to actual revenue generation. So, so with that in mind, um, what channels did you go through and why in order to meet that end goal? And actually, actually, more importantly, I'm wondering, <laughs> how did you go about getting the internal buy-in for this, you know, pivot of, of the way things are done? When I joined, as I mentioned earlier, Rebecca, we were primarily an events-based marketing organization with a little bit of um, service communications being conducted to support the field. Uh, we really pivoted to, to drive um, a lot more outreach, direct marketing, coupled with advertising and social media. What, what has been a real winner for us is entering uh, the world of paid advertising and using it in a very intelligent way, uh, you know, getting the right message in front of the right audience at the right time. And uh, in order to kind of really get buy-in internally, 
we had to test and learn, prove. And frankly, I did this by engaging our finance team, our sales team, our technology team. It's, you know, they all had to have hands on deck because you can't create experiences like we have without having engagement across the whole organization, right? Otherwise, it's just another brand campaign. Okay, so so starting with ActiveWell, the accelerator, and, and on to uh, Do Well Better, uh, that launched at the end of um, January. What transformation, if any, have you noticed in the brand values for BNY Mellon? Our brand attributes when I joined um, were primarily conservative, uh, old-fashioned, not very exciting terms, right, to be uh, uh, attributing to the brand. Uh, we recently, in the one year that we launched Active Wealth and as well as the Active Wealth Accelerator, we saw this shift to terms coming up as we're being seen as exciting and modern. And I find that just, I'm, I'm shocked because it takes three, four years, right, to push a brand out there and get those type of metrics um, to shift. And so for me, I'd like to see uh, more of that, us to be seen as modern and, and exciting, but I'd also like to, us to be seen as uh, innovative and, and to also see this um, shift in attribution amongst a younger generation of investors. Uh, you know, we, we can't forget that we're a legacy brand, uh, primarily baby boomers, um, you know, our, our traditional target audience. But with the shift in this brand platform, we're actually seeing we're drawing a lot more of the Gen Xers and there is a huge generational wealth transfer occurring. So we need to be relevant and we need to start having that kind of brand awareness and engagement amongst that audience. It's really interesting that your next target audience is actually Gen Xers. Um, at the end of last year at Tearsheet, we, we did this piece um, called Gens Under the Lens, where we covered the uh, financial consumer profile of each of the generations. And I and I chose to write the Gen X one specifically because I like knew nothing about them. And they're my parents, you know, but we just don't talk about them. And that's why they're called, right, the forgotten generation, um, because they just got swallowed up between the baby boomers and millennials. And now it's all about Gen Z. Um, so yeah, it's just really interesting that that this is obviously naturally your next target audience working with ultra high net individuals. Um, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I find them to be the forgotten souls, right? And and by the way, the largest number of entrepreneurs are coming from the Gen X audience, right? And and seemingly we we oversee that. Not to say though, we are also focused on next gen. And for us, next gen is more of the you know, the why, the, the millennials and, 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 and eventually the Z's, right? So um, they, they are not uh, at all overlooked. In fact, like I think from, from that standpoint, we're looking at them as the existing clients and then how do we get them excited about what we're doing and get them to share it with their kids' kids, right? Like, so there's that kind of beneficiary next-gen angle that um, is probably a lot more efficient for us, but absolutely, I think we need to be looking at the forgotten generation. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so so I just got to drop a personal note. Um, I, as Rebecca, am personally not quite yet the target client for being a white melon. Uh, I hope to be. I, I will be, you know. I'll, I'll hit you up in, in about 20 years, but I'm not there yet. It's not for me. This this campaign is not exactly for me, and still it was able to, you know, touch my heart and, and captivate my mind because it's great storytelling, for one, 
And secondly, it's just refreshing in financial services to see this kind of this kind of approach and and be willing to take the unscripted route. Obviously, a lot of production goes into it, right? But the unscripted route and to put clients and not actors, right? <laughs> clients in the forefront. So I really appreciate it. I really love it. Thank you for, for raising the bar, really, um, in finance marketing. And I'm sure it took a lot of vision. I'm sure it took a lot of skill. And I just want to know one last question. What makes you so good at your job? First of all, thank you for all those kind words. <laughs> um, I would say I, I love being a marketer. And often I'm asked, why are you marketing in financial services? Uh, when you could go market at any other type of fund company where maybe there's more tangible products. I think what I love about financial services, and I expressed this earlier to Rebecca, is money is very personal and everybody touches it, whether a little bit of it or a lot of it. And then the added component of regulatory oversight, compliance, what we can or can't say, I think for you to be a good marketer, you need to know how to find those creative junctures in order to still make a difference outside of all those challenges and hurdles and oversight. And I think that's what's kind of kept me here between the evocative nature of money, the challenges that, you know, organizations, government and all that put on us to financial services tends to be uh, old school in nature and not so open-minded to fresh thinking I like to push boundaries and, and I like to think of myself as someone who likes to take on the challenge. And, 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 um, and I've been lucky in my career. I've worked at very amazing brands with fa fabulous leaders uh, across those different brands. And I've had the opportunity to port over my best experiences and learnings to each organization I've entered. And I've gotten to do that here at BNY Wealth. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, Kirthi. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you, Rebecca. This was Kirthi Naik, Head of Marketing and Communications at BNY Mellon Wealth Management. Probably one of my favorite campaigns explored on the Acquire podcast thus far. Head over to the Tearsheet website to see those videos and uh, click on over to check out the campaign as well as read the transcript of our conversation. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about the Acquire podcast, you can write them to me at Rebecca at Tearsheet.co. I was your host, Rebecca Cohen. Until next time.